All right, everybody, good morning. How's everybody doing? Welcome to those of you who are watching online. Guys, my name is Adam Black. I'm the worship leader here. Uh, I am also a deacon in training. Uh, now, before we get into this, I always feel like we're, we're gathering here for the first time this week, for the first time this morning. I think it's appropriate that we kind of just start off in prayer this morning. So, Father God, I thank you for this day. I ask right now that as we all come here, um, Lord, that we can just surrender ourselves to you. We can hear uh, your voice clearly. And I, my prayer this morning, Lord, is that I'm able to articulate the words that I need to uh, to communicate a message uh, that is honoring to you. Um, let us be able to learn something new today and grow into a deeper relationship with you. It's in Jesus' name, amen. Now, I would be lying if I, uh, if I said that I didn't have problems writing this message. Uh, as many of you guys know, I deal with anxiety and things like that. Um, that's part of the reason why, but I definitely had some problems with this message. Uh, and I just so happened to have some cameras set up in my office while I was working this week. And I caught this, this clip of me. Here, check this out real quick. Okay, Mr. Essay. I say, prepare to be written. I'm doing it. I'm doing yeah. it. See how it looks so far. The break time. <laughs> it's so real it hurts, you know? <laughs> you know? Now, if you know me, I have a tendency to procrastinate. But uh, this week, I actually want to say that I started writing this last week. I've known about this for a little while now, so I started writing this last week. So what topic is holding me up? Matthew 15, 21 through 24, Jesus went away from there and withdrew into the district of Tyre and Sidon. He's talking about going away from the, uh, the city of Galilee. A Canaanite woman from that region came out and began crying out saying, have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is cruelly demon possessed, but he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and implored him saying, send her away because she keeps shouting at us. But he answered and said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. There's where, there's where I'm held up. Why did Jesus say that he was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel? Um, now, before we discuss this, this sentence, um, I want to mention what Jesus is not saying here. Because like many times when we do these devotionals, uh, we're given these topics and usually they're kind of hot button topics that are highly debated. These are things that people who are trying to um, argue with you about the Bible, whether it's true or not, these are topics that they say. And they say, well, Jesus didn't come for you. He came for the Jews. This is not a, a thing. What I'm telling you right now is Jesus is not saying that he didn't come for you. That's what he's not saying. Let's get that out of the way right now. We need to understand that Jesus' words are not a rejection of Gentiles. Just moments later, in that same conversation, uh, he heals the woman, uh, the woman's daughter. In Matthew 15, 28, just a few verses later, he says, Then Jesus said to her, O woman, your faith is great. It shall be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed at once. Now, I wrote it this way in that order because that basically instantly says, He is there for you. You know, he, he, he tells the woman that I'm not here for you. 
and then ends up praying for her and, and healing his daughter, her daughter anyways. So if Jesus just heals the woman's daughter, what's the point of him saying that basically in a nutshell, he wasn't there for the Canaanite woman? Why go through this seemingly theatrical dialogue only to heal her daughter at the end of the conversation? And this is actually a really fun thing that I was reading about when I was reading commentaries and stuff, is that this is not some you know, private little incident that happened. Uh, it doesn't say exactly what's going on, but this is a, a public display. Jesus is there with his disciples, and this woman is just hounding him, saying that you need to, you need to heal me. You, I know who you are. You need to heal my daughter. This is a public thing that's going on. So there's a lot of things going on here. Um, so it's in that moment that when Jesus does say these things, Jesus is fulfilling prophecy, and this is what we're going to kind of get into today. Uh, when Jesus says that he came for the lost sheep, he is also saying that he will be the one shepherding them. Jesus is presenting in this moment his priorities in ministry as well as fulfilling prophecy. Uh, going back to Jeremiah 50, uh, verse 6, uh, it is said, My people have been lost sheep. Their shepherds have led them astray, turning them away on the mountains. From mountain to hill they have gone. In this, in this verse, God is calling Israel lost sheep. And it is the Messiah, written through the Old Testament, that would be the one to gather these lost sheep. Hence where Jesus comes in. Uh, Micah 5, 4, 5, he says, And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord is God, and they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. Um, this is, again, in the Old Testament of saying that these are the lost sheep. This is a shepherd that is going to be coming for these lost sheep. Jesus is proclaiming, I am the shepherd that has come for these lost sheep. Many times, Jesus uh, presents himself as a shepherd. Uh, one of the more notable ones is in John 10, where he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus, in this moment, he is putting an exclamation point on the fact that Israel is God's chosen people. This is, the, this is part of God's plan of salvation to go to the Jews. And God revealed through Moses that Israel are the, I'm reading the same line again. Uh, Deuteronomy 7, 6, I just wrote this on here. For you are people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. So, rewinding back to that first scripture we mentioned, the thing that's holding me up. Jesus is fulfilling prophecy when he's talking to this Canaanite woman. But he is also showing that he has a, a very clear intention of why he's there in the moment. Um, he even says this just a few verses before in Matthew 10, that he sent his disciples out, and he said, these 12 that Jesus sent out, he instructed them, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. It's not that he was forbidding his disciples to preach to the Gentiles, but he gave them instruction and a focus to people that would be more receptive to the gospel, specifically the Jews. Paul would even reflect on this later uh, in his kind of missionary journeys. 
uh, as well. And it says in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and then also to the Greek. Now, I want to touch on that because that's actually a moment that I really, I never really put those two together when I would you know, read scripture. Why was it always first the Jew, then the Greek? And this kind of really sums that up is that the, the, the kind of the chain of command, for lack of better words, is that God is calling his people back to him. He is calling the lost sheep of Israel back to him. That, that is the Jewish people. Um, and then we kind of fall in that Gentile category. So it's first to the Jew, then to the Greek. So that is, that in a nutshell is basically what that scripture means. This is not, this is not an argument of Jesus didn't come for you. This is an argument of what was Jesus doing in this moment. He was going to a people that are going to be highly receptive to understanding that they are looking for a Messiah and he was the Messiah. That is what's going on here. So deciphering that, I was thinking to myself, how is this a devotional though? Um, and I actually talked with Jacob about this because, because this doesn't seem very devotional to me. How can I take this and apply this to my life? Um, and it's actually funny because uh, I had the moment uh, this past weekend to uh, talk to Nathan about this, and I purposely chose not to because I realized, going back to my intro, yes, it's a funny joke with the SpongeBob thing and all that. The reason I struggled this week is because I do this thing. And I feel like there's always these underlying things that we look for in these devotionals. Whenever you hear these devotionals, understand that it's not just me delivering a message. It's also me learning a lesson through the topics that are given and things along those lines. And same with every other person who's giving these uh, devotionals. So for me, I struggle because I want there to be an expectation met that I am meeting upon things. Nathan sets an expectation. I want to meet that expectation. So I struggle and I stress and I, and I go, I got to change the world with this message. It's got to be perfect. I want to be completely concise in all of my things. And it is 100% my own demise when I do that. I, I want that to be very clear. So how am I taking this moment and applying this to a devotional where we can say, how can you take the scripture and apply it to your life? Well... Jesus was focused in this moment. He was looking for a certain people. He wasn't just there to talk to this woman. It's not that he was throwing her under the bus or saying, get out of my way. It's he was trying to stay focused on his, on his mission. And in many cases, I feel like we, as a church as a whole, a lot of us have these grand ideas of we want world domination in what it is that we do. We want to put something online and be the next big thing. We want to do all this stuff. And the reality is that our houses are falling apart. We have relationships that are crumbling. We uh, don't know how to take care of our own mental health. You know, we are, we are so not focused on the mission at hand that we lose sight of things. And for me, that hits home for me for this message uh, as I didn't feel focused as I was trying to meet another criteria that wasn't really the thing that I should be worrying about in the first, the first place. What I need to be worrying about is how can I honor God through this message? How can I honor God through my studying? How can I grow into a deeper understanding of scripture so that when somebody does come and talk to me, I can say, that's not what the Bible says. Let me tell you what it actually says, and let's have a, a conversation about this. That's basically what's going on in this. So with that, I want you to leave today with focusing yourself 
on what God is wanting to do in your life, what God is telling you to do, and the uh, putting your best foot forward in those things, that he, in those areas that he's already put you in as well. Um, it's, it's very interesting to look at Jesus, who we know is 100% man and 100% God in the, same, in the same thing, and him being like, I've got something to do today. You're in my way. It's very interesting to kind of think of that way. Um, but we're not Jesus. So if Jesus was focusing his ministry, I think some of us need to be doing the same thing as well. All right, let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this morning. Um, I do pray that you can continue to focus us. You can continue to give us direction. Uh, but more importantly, Lord, let us just fall more in love with you. Let us honor you. Let us pursue you in all things. Uh, we lift this day up to you, and we just ask for you to uh, invade every corner of our mind and our hearts. Lord, we love you. We praise you, and we thank you. It's in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.